You're feeling better today, Paolo, aren't you? Yeah. I know why, but yeah, no, it, it's like I, I see it. I see it getting better every day. It's great. It's great. Really? Yeah, I think what's gonna happen actually. I think this uh, this is my my thinking right now. That's I haven't awesome. quite gotten there. It worked out well that last week we recorded, and uh, it was that a neither trash of us got a... episode. No, it wasn't trash. I, I think it was good, but that neither of us got around to posting it okay. because I think actually we might be better served if we post today first and then we'll post next week. We'll oh. just do them, we'll do them out of order. Um, sure. And the reason I'm thinking for, for that, to, to do it a little bit of out, out of order, is I think this one's just going to be more timely today. Yes, this is true. And what we talked about last week can really be talked about anytime. At any point of the year. Right? Yeah. It's, it's not, not real important. So, <laughs> it was an episode for all seasons. If, all seasons. <laughs> like Thomas More, a man for all seasons. See, thank you. You got yeah. it. You think I'm not going to get a reference to Thomas More? <laughs> I love Thomas More. It's fantastic. You can visit his cell, right? Uh, In England? You can visit his cell only if you get advance permission. You have to, in advance, notify the Tower of London that you would really? like to visit. Yeah. I have a, a priest friend who went once. I, I, I got to go once as well. And I asked if it was possible. I asked the beef eater if, if I could see the, the cell. Yeah, and he said, he said, no, you have to have permission ahead of time. Uh, because it's not a, an area of the tower that's normally open to the public. Wow. So in advance, you have to make arrangements. They'll do it, but usually you have to you have to do it in that way. It's such a Catholic site. Well, but England but is not exactly a Catholic country. Exactly. So this priest friend I know uh, asked where Thomas More and John Fisher were buried at yeah. the Tower of London. And he said, well, they're in the, the common grave with all the other people who have been executed. And he said, shouldn't they have a special grave? And the beef eater looked at him and said, well, they are traitors, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it was the, like, yeah. According to the English law, they were they were traitors. They were traitors. For us as Catholics, they are martyrs and heroes of the faith. <laughs> did exactly the right thing and who spoke the truth even when it was difficult to speak. They did what they were supposed to do. Yeah. I have a joke for you before we begin. You, I'm glad you're bringing no. a joke in because this is, this is going to be a heavier a heavier moment for okay. us. Okay. Why can't Catholics travel at the speed of light? I don't know. Because they have mass. That's terrible. <laughs> I got one more. It's terrible and These I love it. These were in mine. <laughs> okay. All right. Give me one more really this, terrible This one's kind of lame. It's going to be bad. But we're going to try. Why do, you, why do you call a Catholic toaster strudel? What do you call a Catholic toaster strudel? Sorry. What do you call a Catholic toaster strudel? A Pope tart. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's really bad. <laughs> The mass one, though, oh. I really like the mass one. <laughs> That's it. I think, I think I've said it on this podcast before. I'm not sure. I've I've been told that there's uh, some people who believe that puns are the most acceptable form of humor because they are never at the expense of anyone else. I like that. A pun is exclusively a play on words and. So because it is not at anyone's expense, there's no lack of charity involved or there's no chance that it could be misinterpreted and lead to lack of charity. It's not making fun of anyone. It's not mocking. It's simply a play on words. And so as wordplay, it's it's the most moral of all the different types of humor. What are your thoughts on that? I, I like a good pun as much as anyone. Do you? I do. I do. Because I, I like the... Wait, you've lied like, to me. No, no. I like the groaning part. Cause it's so corny. I think it, I think that's the best part is how awful a pun can be. Just how, how dumb that's what I enjoy about them. And, and maybe I'm just not willing to admit that I am sometimes not charitable in my humor because I think that 
There's lots of stuff. Wait, that's funny. I'm so confused because you always say like sarcasm is a superior form of humor. No, no, I don't say sarcasm is superior. I say sarcasm is simply a way of communicating for people who are from Connecticut. <laughs> It's just it's just a a part of how we but, do things. But that like but we you, in the Northeast just you have just do reference this. pun and those puns and those who really enjoy puns, aka myself. Yeah. Just to be of a, a lesser kind because of the preference for puns. If they're if they're not really clever puns, or if it's <laughs> if it's the only thing that you've got, I mean, come on now, we can we can do better. We can do better. I'm confident. <laughs> All right, listen. Let's get serious, because there's sure. there's serious stuff going on right now, yeah, um, the world. and it's 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 not good. So we're gonna we're gonna change gears here, folks. Um, just stay with us here, because as we as we shift into this, like there there is serious stuff going on, uh, and we just made ridiculous pun jokes. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it was content that I got yesterday. It, it wasn't bad. That was content. told to it me, so I decided to share. Bad. All right, as we're recording this. Uh, news broke yesterday of the shooting at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas. Uh, about 20, 20 people so far that have uh, been identified as having been killed by by this gunman, including the gunman himself. Uh, and we'll, we'll see what the news brings today uh, in terms of updates. I haven't had a chance to look in the last 45 minutes or so, so mm-hmm. um, I'm not sure if anything anything really has changed. But a really a really tragic uh, situation. A very evil, evil moment, um, and something that for us in the diocese of Bridgeport uh, hits really close to home. Since ten years ago, uh, we experienced the tragedy at Sandy Hook. So this is something that uh, for us is is very close to home. Uh, but also, uh, I think anybody, anybody looking at this in the in the country is going to see it as something that's really close to home. Mm-hmm. And as I as I got up this morning and I was thinking about all of it, what struck me was that we. In circumstances like this, uh, and we've had far too many in the last 10 years, right? We've seen this happen too many times in the last 10 years in various ways, in various places, and for a whole slew of reasons. This morning, uh, sitting outside our school building, we have a, a Montessori school here. Sitting outside the school building was was a police officer uh, from the Fairfield Police. Uh, so I talked with Detective Beth for a little while mm-hmm. this morning. and. She said, you know, each time something like this happens, there's similarities, but there's always differences. There's always something a little bit different about the, the circumstance, about the shooter, about the uh, whatever it is. It's awful that it keeps happening. There's, that's that's all you can say. It's, it's awful. But I got to thinking also because uh, last night I, I made the mistake of going on social media, which I don't normally do. Uh, other than to check and make sure that our, our live stream of mass is, mm-hmm. is up. I, and I went on and I saw that the USCCB had, had issued a statement and the comments were just savaging the USCCB for not having a strong enough statement. Within hours after this, with lots of details still unknown, with all kinds of questions remaining, mm-hmm. just savaging them for not saying more, not being stronger. And you, you want to say... For the last 10 years, the, the bishops have, have called for all kinds of different things and have, have actually, I think, spoken very well about these, these issues. Uh, but the statement wasn't good enough for some people. And then if you spend any more time on social media, you're just going to see it's nothing but commentary about all this stuff. And I started thinking, we now expect, we live in a culture that expects that there's going to be a statement made every time something happens. Mm-hmm. And you have to have the right statement. And if your statement isn't phrased the right way, if it isn't strong enough, then your statement is, is worthless. Then I looked at the mass readings today. 
And the first reading at Mass is from the Acts of the Apostles, and it's about St. Paul visiting Athens. St. Paul's visit to Athens is always a really fascinating moment for me. Because mm-hmm. he goes to Athens and he says, I see that you Athenians are a God-fearing people. I see that you you care about all these different things. You even have an altar to an unknown God. I'm going to tell you about that unknown God. And he proceeds to try to speak to them without saying anything related specifically. Like, God did this. He says, this God who you're thinking about. Let me tell you more. But he never talks about Jesus. He never actually presents the gospel to them. He sort of presents a a vague connection. So he, he kind of lays out, oh yeah, God created all things and, and everything that's in the world is is something that God created. And so you're already, without knowing it, worshiping this, the God that I'm, I'm talking about. But he doesn't tell them anything that separates this his God from their gods. Mm. So in the the whole pantheon of the of the Greek gods, uh, they have they have all these, and I guess the pantheon is maybe the wrong word because the pantheon is a, a Roman monument. <laughs> but in the in this this Greek mythological mindset, they have all these different gods for all these different things. That they have an altar to the unknown god is just saying, hey, we we believe that there's that there is possibly a god that we don't know about. Mm-hmm. And Paul's trying to make that the god that he believes in. And he's he's coming at this. He's he's trying genuinely to evangelize them. Mm-hmm. But his his strategy is wrong. And the reading ends with only a few people become believers. And then he leaves and goes to Corinth. Isn't this where later on he then realizes that he needs to be speaking Jesus Christ crucified and not so much? Exactly. It's the only thing that actually matters. That's exactly right. Yeah. So he, he says, I resolve to know nothing but Christ and him crucified. That's exactly it. Right. So look look at the New Testament. And you're going to see a letter to the Corinthians. Two letters to the Corinthians, in fact. Mm-hmm. So Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And then there's two letters to the Corinthians because he established a church there. There's a letter to the Romans because he wrote to the Christian community at Rome. Mm -hmm. There's a letter to the Galatians because he wrote to the Galatians. There's a letter to the Ephesians because he wrote to the Christian community at Ephesus. He writes to Timothy and to Titus who are bishops of different places. In other words, Paul is in fact successful at establishing churches in different places, but there is no letter to the Athenians Interesting. because he had no success preaching hmm. the gospel in Athens. Hmm. And the reason he had no success in preaching the gospel in Athens is he was trying to do it himself. He was trying to come up with something else. He was trying to reinvent the wheel. Yeah. But without ever making reference to Jesus. Yeah. All right. Every statement you're going to read right now about this shooting about this pure evil, mm-hmm. they're going to say the same things because what else can you say except this is evil, I condemn this action. I mean, I'm mean, i sorry that it has happened. <clears throat> I pray for the victims and for their families. Those are all important things to say, right. of course. Of course. But what else can we can we really say? There's There's predictably, there's outrage, and we keep letting this happen. It's our fault. I don't. I don't believe that. I don't believe that in its entirety. Hmm. Uh, they'll. They'll say this is because of of gun control. This is because of mental health. There's all all that stuff. It's all going to come out, mm-hmm. right? And the thing is that whatever you want to think that it is, this is a gun control issue. This is a mental health issue. Mm-hmm. For the most part, those different statements 
and the feedback that's going to be out there on social media is going to talk just about one or the other. It won't talk about both. It won't recognize that this issue runs deep and there's, there's a lot of other factors that are present. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, all of the stuff that comes out is usually just vitriol, mm -hmm. anger. And it doesn't help. But part of the reason it doesn't help is because we're so focused now as a culture and as a society on getting the right statement out. Mm -hmm. And if we don't have the right statement, then we must not care. In the end, people post these statements yeah. and do nothing. So here's a bunch of statements. Here's a, here's a whole bunch of stuff. I, I, I posted all the right articles. I made all the right comments and everything else. Mm -hmm. That's another reason I'm just off social media as much as I possibly can be now. <laughs> it's a headache. It's a headache. It's a huge headache. <laughs> Hiring. But as long as we've posted the right things or seemingly put out the right kind of statement with the right buzzwords, then, then we're good. It's, it's virtue signaling. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, that's why I don't feel like having a comment because I don't know all the details and I, it, it takes time well, right there. Okay. You, like, you, I, you just said, Paula, one of the most important things. I'm literally not going to make a comment right now. I don't know anything within minutes of this happening. You're supposed to have a statement yeah. when there's still not information. Yeah. What happened? There, there might be a way for us to really learn something. But if, if instantly the, the, the idea is you've got to get this kind of statement. And if you've got to say these kinds of things, what if, what if there, there are facts that we haven't yet learned mm -hmm. that will shed light on the whole situation. Mm -hmm. And that might actually indicate for us what the path forward is. Yeah. Until we know that there's something missing. So we, it's important for us to, to pause mm -hmm. and, and learn something before we start with a call to action, before we start insisting that, that somebody has, is to blame or that, that there's a certain group of people that are to blame, which is really what, what most of social media wants to do. It wants to blame a certain group mm -hmm. um, or just claim that anybody who hasn't said the right things is therefore the problem or part of the problem or supports the problem, which is all like so, we get real crazy. So I'm reading it right now, mm -hmm. and this this seems super appropriate to like to what it should say. The I mean, bishop, the bishop statement, you mean? Yeah. It's 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 like making a mark. Obviously, you know, it's not a final remark. Right. This is just, hey, like I'm with you. Is that your stomach? Uh, yes. <laughs> I didn't eat anything yet today. My stomach's growling. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, folks, about that. I'm glad that my tummy is bringing some <laughs> levity to this very serious conversation, Paul. Um, oh my goodness. Yeah. No. I mean, for me, like this bishop statement is just saying, like, hey, we are aware and we're with you. Yeah. And like, it's a rally to prayer. It's right. a rally to intercession because that's the job of the church. The job exactly. of the church is to intercede and to recognize, well, really call out evil when it is evil. And we know this. Um, but the power of the church is always going to rest in its power of prayer. Yeah. You know, a praying, you know, a church that doesn't pray is powerless. That's just going to always be that. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really hard, though, when institutionally it's always going to have a political like it's always going to be in a political sphere of some sort. Like we make it happen because like man is a political animal. And so like we're always going to probably take some of these statements and then politicize it. Cause that's what we do in America. We yeah. politicize everything. Right. And somehow so everything some, has to have a political action point and a, an agenda. And it's right. like, well, how are you going to get to the end? And it's like, Whoa, wait, like, yeah. 
So what will happen is the church will repeatedly call for prayer mm -hmm. and solidarity with, with the victims and their families. Right. Uh, and then people will say, your thoughts and prayers are useless. That's that's what they've done for the Always. last several years. Every time something like yeah. this happens, they say, enough of your thoughts and prayers. I've had enough. I'm sick of it. Yeah. And they basically insult anybody who says, I'm praying for the victims. But here's the thing. And this is this is where I come back to what St. Paul did. Mm -hmm. I resolved to know nothing but Christ that's and true. him crucified. Right. Because what it was that what made Paul ineffective in Athens was that he did not really speak the story of Jesus. No, he spoke too much like the people exactly. of the, the people he was preaching to. Like, he, let me use your language to try to relate to you. But still, it wasn't anything that was like, oh, there's nothing out. Like he, he tried to relate to the culture at the expense of mm -hmm. the gospel. speaking about the gospel, yeah. telling people about who Jesus is. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean you shouldn't try to understand the culture that you're in right. or the, the people that you're speaking to. That's of course true. You need but to he know. didn't, he didn't bring them Jesus. So when he resolved to know nothing but Christ and him crucified, then he went into these Greek cities and these Greek cultures, understanding the culture that he was speaking to, but always then speaking about Jesus and how Jesus gives light to all of those cultures. Mm -hmm. Instead of trying to make Jesus fit into those cultures, he showed them how Jesus was actually going to be the pinnacle and right. the fulfillment of everything that they were looking for. All right, so that brought me to to this morning. All right, with all these statements and everything that are going out and that the insistence or the the pressure, and I, I really think it's there's a pressure that people feel they have to say something. They have to post the right things. They've got to communicate this. With all of that, what we miss most often is where we have to B, mm -hmm. in a moment of tragedy, in a moment of sadness, you don't worry about having the right words. Like if you have a difficult funeral, if you have a tragic funeral, mm -hmm. and every priest I know has had, has had them, and we've had funerals that are quote unquote easy because the circumstances are, are more, more normal, Natural, right? Yeah. When you're meeting with the family to talk about it, you don't worry about what you're going to say for the funeral. You don't worry about having the right words at the funeral. You worry about meeting the family mm. and meeting them in their grief. Mm -hmm. So if we're looking at a situation like this, the first response is always to those families that are, are grieving. And the first response of the Christian in, when faced with the reality of death is to pray for the dead. It's the first thing we do. It's the first thing we're called to do. Mm -hmm. We pray for the dead because they need our prayers. We pray for those who are, who love them and are grieving because they need our prayers. Mm -hmm. To pray for people in a time of tragedy is always the right thing to do. And to pray for people and to promise to pray for people in that time of tragedy and to promise to pray for the dead, to promise to pray for comfort and for peace is not to say, I won't do anything, I won't act to make changes in the world, but it's just to say, I know my, I know my role mm -hmm. and I know what I must do. I cannot do anything be, until I've prayed. When we pray, when we start there, when we resolve to know nothing but Christ and him crucified, mm -hmm. then we're taking this awful suffering, this awful tragedy, we're taking this evil and we're bringing it to Jesus. Right. And then... We need to let Jesus inspire us. Mm -hmm. Let him teach us what we're supposed to do so we can go out and actually make a difference, so we can change something. Right, and that's where you kind of see the church 
move in the political sphere when it's working towards life and it's like it's understanding of building the kingdom right so like now we go out and do that that very thing um i found this really fascinating uh someone was apparently there's a whole podcast a couple hundred episodes on the history and the fall of rome oh cool but also like the rise of the church around that time and he was telling me how um, as the Roman Empire was falling, there was no other form of governance except the church. Right. And so the church itself began to rise in order to provide order and structure for all of these, you know, city states that had now fallen. Um, and I found that super fascinating that um, even in the life of the church, um, it can really it, it, it has a role of governance. It has a role to play um, in, in building up ki the kingdom. Oh, or back then it was literal literal kingdoms. Right. <laughs> um, but the response here is, okay, the response here is we're going to pray first right. and then we're going to act in the same way that, you know, Jesus, before he did anything, what did he do? He prayed first before he did any public ministry, before he flipped tables, before he did anything that someone might want to allude to. Well, look at what Jesus did, because you can kind of then turn Jesus into your own like social justice activist person. In I kind of I'm seeing it in so many different circles where we're sure. taking it out of context. I'm like, well, you know that Jesus prayed. There's a commercial that's been going on uh, and it's some evangelical church put it out and it's uh an activist took to the streets and he riled up everybody yeah and it's it's showing all these like black and white images of of uh, a bunch of skateboarders and and uh, -huh. uh seemingly tough street kids and then they're then you see them all feeding the homeless and it's like okay yeah that's it, that's true but that's not really the gospel in fact that's not what that's not the only thing Jesus did. And he didn't do it just to rile things up and just, right. to, just to disturb people. And that's what we he came say to proclaim about Jesus. The truth and he, right. he came to suffer and die for us. Right. And in fact, it's the very sufferings that we see in the world that he's already been through, that he's most present in. Mm -hmm. And so right now, if you want to see where, where Jesus is present, he's present with those families who are suffering. Exactly. And he's, he's there suffering with them. Yeah. And this was the other thing that I, I found out. So the, the Catholic church in Uvalde is called Sacred Heart. Mm. And it's the wounded heart of Christ mm. Oh wow! that burns with love for us, that's wounded because of our sin, because of sin in the world, but that also calls all of us into itself. Mm -hmm. The heart of Christ is calling us to himself. And, and so what I was really moved to this morning as I was reflecting on this was that we have to, like St. Paul, resolve to know nothing but Christ and him crucified. Exactly. And when we resolve to know nothing but Christ and him crucified, then we'll take that pain, mm -hmm. that difficulty. We'll take all of those feelings of of suffering. We'll take all those feelings of anger that we have. We'll mm -hmm. take all of it and we, we place it in the heart of Christ. Mm -hmm. Placed in the heart of Christ, then, we're bringing this awful situation to the one who teaches. So he's going to teach us mm -hmm. what is true and also then what we ought to do. He's going to bless us. He's going to sanctify us mm -hmm. so that what we do will be in accordance with his will, but also will be for the, the holiness of the whole world. Right. And he's going to govern us. He's going to show us how we're supposed to live. And that will help us to transform our society.
to be what it is supposed to be. See, that you're right that the church has the, these roles. So the those roles of governance, mm-hmm. of of teaching, and of sanctifying. Those are called the the three munera of the priesthood of Christ. Munera. Yeah, the it's a the cool roles. World. It's a it's a Latin word for the, like the roles, the offices. Okay. Of of Christ. So the the priestly office of Christ is to teach, to sanctify, and to govern. Mm. So if we're going to teach, sanctify, and govern, we have uh, the teaching that must be brought, which is the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified exactly. means I'm going to speak what Jesus spoke. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna say the the gospel. I'm going to bring the gospel to people. To sanctify, I'm gonna pray. That's the the role of the church is to pray in the world for the world. Exactly. The role of the church is to bring people to Jesus who makes them holy, mm-hmm. and to bring people to Jesus who can then transform times of grief and sorrow and and difficulty. And then the role of the church is to govern, mm-hmm. to point us in the right direction. Now, when the church is not uh, coterminous with civil government, mm-hmm. I think that's actually a very good thing for that's us. It's a great thing. We are, it's we supposed are, to be. We are better off when, when that's the case. <laughs> you know, it was nice of the church to step in when the Roman Empire fell and provide some kind of order, but mm-hmm. a, a too cozy relationship, I've said this before, a too cozy relationship between the church and the state gets very dangerous for us. Mm-hmm. Very, very dangerous. So yes, there's going to be a, a role that the church has in calling for civic action. Mm-hmm. But before we can call for that civic action, we we have to, and the, this is the church's pastoral care. This is how the church takes care of people. We have to go first to those who are suffering yeah. and be with them. Yeah. When we are with them, when we're walking with them, when we're suffering with them, then we can call for civic action. But this habit of saying, like, as soon as something happens, I've got to pick the most likely reason that it happened and make a statement about how that's unjust. You know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of when Judas sells Jesus and Peter goes and slashes, is, is the, he's the one who cuts the ear mm-hmm. off one of the Roman soldiers. Like it was such a reactionary the response. The high priest servant actually. Right, so, sorry, the yeah. high priest servant. But it was such a reactionary response to an injustice and it was an injustice. Mm-hmm. And that was his response, but what does Jesus do? He heals the servant's ear. He heals the servant's ear. Yeah. He, 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 Jesus is really showing that this is going. This has to go about another way. So I'm glad you're bringing that up because I, I think that's that's dead on. Yeah. Put away your sword, he says. Yes. Put away your sword. And then what does he want Peter to do? Right now I'm drawing a blank, so you're going to have to answer that. Well, so he's, <laughs> he's been arrested. Yeah. And he, he's told Peter already, before, up my Bible. <laughs> before the cock crows three times, you will deny me. Oh. So he's already told Peter, you'll, you'll deny me. Okay. So first he's saying, Peter, put away your sword. That's not what this is going to be. It is necessary for the Son of Man to suffer yes. and to die and so enter into his glory. So every every time Jesus has predicted his passion and mm-hmm. and all of that, he's pointing to there's going to be glory. Something is coming, mm-hmm. but first we have to enter into this. So Peter, come with me. And then if you, if you read the story, all right, everybody scatters. Peter follows at a distance. Mm-hmm. He's he's afraid to come closer. And then three times he denies him. There's that great scene in the gospel. I think it's yeah. in John's gospel, where having at the third time denied Jesus, it says that. Jesus turned and looked at Peter. Oh gosh, can you imagine? And that? Peter wept, meaning that that Peter was close enough that Jesus could see him. Yeah. Physically close enough that that Jesus could see him. He denies him in his presence. And so that denial, exactly, it's right there in, in his in his presence. Yeah. Put away your sword. You're ready to you're ready to fight. You're ready to be angry. You're ready to do all this other stuff. Put it away. That's not what's needed right now. 
right now, Peter, what I need from you is to walk with me, mm -hmm. to suffer with me. And so where do we see those, those great moments? We see it in, uh, in Simon who helps Jesus carry the cross. We see it in Veronica. When we look at the, uh, at the stations of the cross as Veronica wipes the face of Jesus, we see it when Jesus is on the cross and he mm -hmm. speaks to the good thief and he speaks to, uh, John, the beloved disciple, and he speaks to his mother. He speaks those words of comfort to them, but they're there comforting him. They're there suffering with him. Mm -hmm. So what do we need to do right now? First, we just need to we need to be there to suffer with them, with our brothers and sisters in Texas who are in unspeakable, unimaginable pain. We need to intercede. Exactly. To suffer with them, to intercede for them, to pray for them. Because that's, that's always the response of the church. I'm now thinking about another saint who was given the supernatural gift of faith. Mm -hmm. um, and this was like an intense kind of faith. And her convent, I cannot remember her name, and you might um, know it once I tell the story. Um, her convent was about to be sieged by some invaders, mm -hmm. um, who were really kind of running around. This was around the med medieval ages. Um, and she decided to take the monstrance. St. Clair of Assisi. Thank you. Oh, well, there we go. She decided, <laughs> I got you. thank you. She decided to take the monstrance and with faith, hold the monstrance with Jesus right there against the gates of the convent and they could not pass through. And in an act of sheer surrender, but also immense faith and prayer and courage she, and, courage and intercession, yeah. she saved her convent and her sisters. Yeah. Those men were led to run away from the convent. I forgot what happened, but they never got to the walls as they intended to, because what did they would have, they would have completely destroyed the convent would have raped these women mm -hmm. and who knows what insufferable damage might've been there. And now, it was that act of intercession. It was that act of great faith and that courage that changed everything. So if we really want to change the world, we are called to be those world changers through prayer and intercession. It's repeated so often in scripture again and again and again. And it's because it's the Holy Spirit having a way and us providing a way for him to work and to act and to move to, to do that change. Right. So... All right, my rant is done. No, no, you're right. You're right. <laughs> but this is the thing. It, it's got to begin in that that place of prayer. When we talk about thoughts and prayers, first of all, forget the thoughts. I don't care what you're thinking. I want you to pray. <laughs> yeah. I, I want you to pray. Yeah. Because you're uh, not praying on your own. You're praying in and through the Spirit. Right. You're praying. You're praying in the power of the Trinity. Right. Like you're not. So the first thing would be if if you see people saying that they're that they're praying about this situation, they're praying for the victim. <clears throat> Be grateful that they're praying. Yeah. Don't jump to this. I've I've had enough of your thoughts and prayers because that's that's not fair. Right. That's not fair because there's there are things that we can all do and every single one of us can pray. Mm -hmm. And there are things that some of us cannot do, uh, and some of us are not able. We're not in a position where we can affect a tremendous amount of of change. We mm -hmm. can support change. Right. But we can't be the ones who who drive it. We can't be the ones who do it because we don't have the we're not in the right position. The right resources in order to make those things happen. Right. right. But in the meantime, every single one of us can in fact pray. Mm -hmm. And can pray for conversion in our own hearts, can mm -hmm. pray for conversion of of those who would who would do such evil things and most of all can pray for those who have been victims and yeah. to pray for their for their I would, I would also say like prayer doesn't mean that it's all good. Like prayer is a space for anger. Prayer is a space for you, you 
prayer is a space for everything that you're feeling. Yeah. You know, it's directed towards the father. It's not this, you know, like navel gazing kind of situation where like I'm suffering. And then in a, in a way you kind of isolate yourself with your own thoughts and things going on in your own mind. It's, I have a place to lay this down to rest and I'm resting it in the hands of Jesus. I'm asking him to take care of it. I'm asking him yeah. to deal with so it. So bring all of bring that emotion everything because it's valid. Right. You know, and like the, our Lord knows that. And he's always made space for that because that prayer is that proper space where like I'm bringing my whole person and everything I'm feeling into it. It's, it's, that's this, uh, like, it's, this is what relationship is. You know, I'm not coming to be like, oh, I'm going to pray for this person. And, and it's unfortunate that many, many people can have this very light idea of prayer. Um, oh, it's just an easy thing that you're going to do. But if you right. really pray, prayer is really hard. This is what the saints say above intellectual labor and manual labor. Mental prayer is the hardest thing you will ever do. When you're really praying, it will be the hardest thing you ever do. Yeah. Well, because you're bringing everything. Mm -hmm. See, it's, it's easy to get angry and stay angry. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to, to remain angry because I, I think that that's the thing that's really going to drive me, mm -hmm. but it ends up actually getting in the way. If I bring my anger into prayer and I, I let God know why I'm angry. That's the best thing. It's so great. Yeah, because then re remember, it's not just me going to God. It's God then starts working on my heart. Exactly. And he starts working on my anger yeah. and transforms it into the actual energy that I need to do what's good. Yes. And to make the change that I need to make or to, to speak the words that I need to speak, whatever. It right. That's be. why it says in scripture, if you have a grievance with your brother, go to him first before you make your sacrifice at the altar. Like, you know, but do it first from a place of prayer. Like yeah. go pray first before you talk to your brother and then go make your sacrifice. Right. So I think the, the first thing is resolve to know Christ and him crucified. Yeah. The suffering Christ suffers with his people who suffer. The cross gives meaning. It, that's the, the insane part. As much as these tragedies exist, it's if it wasn't for the cross... And my, like, I am, I'm thinking of saying it personally, but like if it wasn't from my understanding of Jesus's crucifixion on the cross, my life has no meaning. Like suffering doesn't right. make sense. It, and it doesn't, it doesn't make sense without Jesus's crucifixion. Right. Nothing makes sense. Yeah. And so we need to know him. Yeah. And we need to go to him with all of this. And so to take the names of every single victim of this shooting and to bring them to Jesus and mm -hmm. to pray for them by name today, mm -hmm. uh, to, to bring the, the general sense of praying for the whole community in Uvalde, right? To pray for, for that whole town, uh, to pray for the, the people who are affected, to pray for, uh, the people who have responded. Mm -hmm. This is, this is deep. This is going to, this is going to go deeper and deeper every day, right? right? That's what happened after Sandy Hook. We got to see how it didn't just affect, obviously it didn't only affect a small group of people. It affected the whole town. Yeah. It affected everybody who had any connection whatsoever to Newtown. Uh, it, and it, it has continued to have repercussions, mm -hmm. right? That continued prayer for people who suffered is necessary. But that's also where the church always has to be present mm -hmm. to pray for them, to pray with them, to provide them with that spiritual support because we are with them, because we are walking with them and praying for them and praying with them because we are there, that enables us to actually make the call for certain things, mm -hmm. that, that call to action. Mm -hmm. Right. And so as we learn the situation better, it's an ongoing investigation. It's only a few hours old at this point as we're yeah. recording. Right. As we, as we learn better the details of, of what happened, 
that will allow us to then know what needs to be done. But there is one thing that we know needs to be done right now. And the thing that we know needs to be done is these victims Mm -hmm. and their families and their neighbors and their loved ones Mm -hmm. need to be lifted up to the heart of Jesus. Mm. That's the first thing that we need to do. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. The, the last thing that I want to say with this is just that as we read things, culturally, we've gotten used to being hypercritical of you said you like apples. <laughs> Why have you rejected bananas and denied the right of oranges to exist? <laughs> That's basically like how a statement it's works. It's a fruit now. salad. Yeah. If, <laughs> If you say if you say one thing, then somebody is going to accuse you of <laughs> deliberately excluding something or of hating something else, and that that's not what's happening. Right. Uh, th- there was a thing even today on the Fairfield uh, Police Department. I saw they they had just said we're increasing our, our presence at the at the schools. I actually wasn't expecting that that ours because I'm thinking ours is too small. I wasn't expecting so that tiny, that yeah. here at, at our Montessori that there would be a uh, Hours. It's not ours. It's it's a Montessori that rents from us. Yeah. Anyway, I wasn't <laughs> expecting that there would be that there would be that there would be an officer here, but there there is. And right. I, actually, I think that's great. Yeah. Um. saying we're we're doing this as just a, a sign that we're we are monitoring things. There's no active threats or anything like that. But mm-hmm. we, we're also doing this in in solidarity with all of our uh, our our police partners in Uvalde and with anybody who's, who's been dealing with this stuff. Mm-hmm. And one of the comments was, I would think for sure that you would, uh, as a law abiding group, you would be in favor of gun control. And it's like, they're, they're making a public service announcement that there's going to be presence at the schools today. This wasn't a, about making a statement, but anything other than what's happening today. And the, the immediate thing is, well, you, you, you must be about this. you like, it, yeah. It drives me nuts. Right. Because we're, we're jumping to conclusions. You see it happen all the time. People jump to conclusions about things that aren't true. Um, <laughs> God bless you. Thank you. Or that aren't accurate. And it's just so stupid. It's so stupid and it's so mean. Yeah. And I don't get it. I don't understand why people have to do that. It's not helping anything. I mean, it's so more- like just get off social media, like stop using it entirely because it's not helpful mm-hmm. and it's only going to get you more upset about things. It's only going to do stupid things to your brain. Are you upset? I am. Yeah, I am because this is, this is part of the problem. Yeah. And this is what contributes now to, to a, a whole societal attitude that if you haven't said the right things, then you're useless. It's the whole thing that contributes to people saying that anytime you say I'm praying for the victims and I'm praying for peace and I'm praying for all this stuff that you're told you're an idiot. Yeah. And this is why Catholics who want to pray and, and who want to try to do something, but they want to bring it to Jesus, feel like they shouldn't do that or they shouldn't speak about it because we're living in a world now that says your thoughts and prayers are useless because if you say you're, you're praying for people, mm-hmm. uh, then you're not doing anything and that's bad. Right. But it doesn't mean that people aren't doing something. It, just because I said I'm praying doesn't mean that I'm not willing to act and right. work on doesn't something. Doesn't mean you're not trying to like raise your children in a certain way. It doesn't mean that you right. aren't responding and in, to and it. And on the other side... Just because somebody says, I believe that the following things should be done legally to protect life or something doesn't mean that they're not praying. Right. You know, so on the other side, we have to realize that they just because they said that they believe in in one thing doesn't mean that they're also rejecting the idea of prayer. Right. But 
we're living in a society that for whatever reason thinks everybody has to post their opinion, has to make a statement about this stuff, instead of remembering that our first responsibility as Christians in the face of, of suffering and tragedy is to be with those who suffer. Yeah. That's where Jesus went. And to be united to Jesus on the cross. Jesus didn't make a big statement. No. He didn't make a big statement when Lazarus died. He went to Bethany. He didn't make a big statement against leprosy. Mm -hmm. He healed the lepers. <laughs> Mm-hmm. He didn't make a statement about the injustice about the woman who was caught in adultery. He forgave her. And so when we're dealing with when we're dealing with this kind of suffering, when we're dealing with tragedy, the the place that we have to go is to the heart of Jesus and learn from him. Yeah. So stop posting stuff. It's stupid. Stop getting mad about every every single statement and just trying to poke at people it's, fall it's, on your knees and pray mm, amen we got to bring it to the heart of jesus that's it that's it i, I have nothing else to add that was phenomenal i'm gonna go write a note to the pastor at sacred heart in uvalde mm. that's my project today sounds good this is tough and we gotta pray this is tough. We got to pray. I think what you're saying too is also just besides just being so reactionary on social media, it's this instant gratification culture that is coming in at different levels. Like we want it now, do it now. And it's, ugh, it's just insane. But it doesn't matter if you don't bring it to Jesus. Like, I mean, it does matter, but we have to pray. We have to be people of prayer and we have to allow the Prince of Peace to move in those spaces because it can really, really change, change people's hearts, provide grace for those who really need it. Because I can only imagine right now how much grace is falling yeah. in that area right now because people are praying. So the Archbishop of San Antonio, uh, whose diocese includes Uvalde, was at Sacred Heart last night to celebrate mm -hmm. Mass. Mm -hmm. He he went as as soon as he found out. Mm. He went there to be there with the community that was suffering. Now we can't obviously we cannot all go there. Right. It doesn't make any sense. That's not what you do. Um, if you're when Sandy Hook happened, there were so many priests who went there to help. Mm -hmm. um, I covered masses for a few days at St. Rose. Um, so that they could do funerals. Wow. So they could have their, their morning mass and then there were funerals. And it was a beautiful experience. And it was an experience of solidarity, of, of being there. There's nothing I could do. Right. But I could be there to, to pray with them. I'll always remember, honestly, uh, one of the most moving things that I saw was uh, there are reporters everywhere, everywhere, crawling all over the place. But sitting in one of the pews in church, was Anderson Cooper. He just sat there. Wow. Yeah. He did his reporting later, but he would come in to the church during the funerals uh, or before the funerals, obviously. He wasn't just like walking in as it was right, happening. Right, right. He, he would attend and pray with people. Wow. And I'm not a fan. I don't really watch much of CNN anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but I have... I have held respect for him mm. for that action because you didn't see anybody else doing what he doing did. that.
and he did it without without fanfare. Wow. The governor always came in with a security detail and all this other stuff, and it was kind of like last minute he was coming in. Let's let everybody see me. Wow. He just came in and sat there mm. by himself. He chose and, to be with and, people. And for that reason, I hold him in very high regard. Like, wow. just for that. Yeah. I know for a fact I disagree with him on almost everything. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> but I, I respect what he did. He was he was there mm -hmm. with people who were suffering mm -hmm. for them. Yeah. That's what we have to be first. And it's because we as a church, we as individual believers, because we pray, because we bring them to the sacred heart of Jesus, because, because we understand what it is to stand with brothers and sisters who are suffering. That's what's going to make it credible for us when it's time for us to act. Yes. But the other thing is we have to pray. We have to pray. We have to pray. We have to pray. Because in the meantime, there's all this other stuff that has to happen. Mm -hmm. There's an investigation that has to take place. What we do has to be based in fact. Mm -hmm. And while we are waiting for the facts to be made known, mm -hmm. there is something that we know. Yeah. Children have died. Families are grieving. You know, the CDC has reported that, you know how they like say, this is a list of 10 things that are causes of death in America. Um, I think recently they added gun violence mm. as one of those things along with heart disease. So in a way that definitely is something, obviously it is a problem, but yeah, of course it doesn't mean that, gosh, it's a problem, but I think it's a symptom of so many other things that we just don't. Right. And so there, there's, it, it's necessary for us to dig deep and to understand. Yeah. And that's why. Virtue signaling mm -hmm. isn't going to help. Mm -hmm. That's why just having a, another statement, it's, it's pointless. We need to pray because the thing that we know right now, mm -hmm. children have died. Yeah. Families are grieving. We need to pray for them, with them, to suffer for them and with them. Like, you want to know what you can do? Fast. Pray for us, right? Fast. Enter into their suffering. Yeah. Because you cannot experience their suffering in the way that they are experiencing it. But Fast. Offer something for them. Offer some suffering of your own for those who suffer right now. Mm -hmm. uh, pray. Pray for them because that's the thing we can do. And then as the facts come out, let those facts and your prayer guide what you do. Mm -hmm. But we're too quick to decide. I already know what happened. And to throw out statements. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm, I'm tired of it. Rightly so. Rightly so. I'm not sure how to end this episode because it's <laughs> kind of tough. <laughs> it is. You're right. All right. Well, let's stop there. Let's pray Hail Mary. Okay. Uh, entrusting our brothers and sisters in Uvalde to, uh, to her maternal intercession to the sacred heart of Jesus. Hail Mary, full, full of grace, grace the Lord is with thee. thee. Blessed art thou among women, and, and blessed is the fruit, fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mary, Mother, Mother of God, God, pray for us sinners, sinners now, now and at the hour of our death. death. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, pray have mercy on us. us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I'm Father Sam Kachuba. And I'm Paola Peña.